Osiris. There was such a welcome feeling and such a feeling of entry, like kind of entering into a portal of being together and being connected. By the time we got on stage, it felt like we already had a rapport with all the people who were there. <laughs> and it was just an opportunity for us to share our message and also for us to share a little bit in being able to sort of restart. We were shut down and not able to do these kinds of performances for so long and people really longed to be in community with one another mm -hmm. and so it was really an honor to be able to open that up mm -hmm. and to invoke you know that feeling of community what the world needs now is love sweet love it's the only thing that there's just too little love what the world that first voice you heard was Abin Akumson Davis, the musical director of the Resistance Revival Chorus. They were the first voices we heard sing, and that was the first song they sang to open our return to Fort Adams for Folk On, this year's version of the Newport Folk Festival. It was the first time that executive director Jay Sweet had ever requested a song of someone performing at the festival. The first festival back post-lockdown, the first time Newport Folk stretched over six days, not three. There were countless firsts this year, as together we navigated the emotional terrain of a joyous return to live music and being back together at the fort, and the uncertainty that lingers, reminding us of how fragile and precious that return still is. I'm Carmel Holt, and as we're bringing Festival Circuit to a close, we knew that the only proper way to do so was to take the show on the road and document this most unique of years in Newport's long history. Of course, just as it's been a challenge to tell Newport folks' story in just five episodes, it's equally impossible to sum up what happened over the six days on site in one episode of this podcast. And as you'll find out, I myself had an unexpected role to play in one of the big Newport moments this year. So when I say it was an exceptional and emotionally charged year, I personally went from simply being your podcast host to helping kickstart one of the pinnacle moments we were blessed to see come to life on the Newport stage. Suffice it to say, a lot has happened since episode four. But as we have over the course of the series, we're going to get straight to the heart of it through the eyes, ears, experiences, thoughts, and feelings of the artists, organizers, and fans who made the pilgrimage to Folk On. And we'll show how Newport, as it has always been, is a mirror, reflecting where we've been and where we're headed as we cautiously move forward together. Welcome to episode five, our season finale of Festival Circuit, Newport Folk, when we dream together. So you may recall that in episode four of Festival Circuit, we focused on the long history of Newport folk embodying and standing for diversity, civil rights, social justice, and political activism, going back to its very beginnings when George Ween and his wife Joyce were running the festival. And as we returned to the fort after a year that saw the Black Lives Matter movement gain more momentum than ever before, it was lost on no one that at noon on Friday, July 23rd, the first scheduled performance of the 2021 festival came from the Resistance Revival Chorus, a diverse collective of women who fight for equal rights in our society through song. Here's co-founder Nalini Stamp and musical director Abna Kumsen Davis. This was our first time at the Newport Folk Festival. <laughs> this is the first like big major festival we've done. Yeah, got. absolutely. It was incredibly emotional. And there's also a steadiness to the fact that, you know, when you sing, you sing. And doing it in community is powerful. And doing it alone is powerful. And, you know, doing it with people you've sung with before, like being on stage with each other and people you've never met, like all the people in the audience is powerful, mm -hmm. right? It's a tool, it's a vessel, it's all of those things. It's really special to be a part of a moment like this 
But the truth is, we can create these moments wherever we are. That's right. And that's what we need people to know, you know? That quote by Harry Belafonte, when the movement is strong, the music is strong. Mm -hmm. You know, we can bring that energy anywhere we are. Mm -hmm. We don't even have to be on a stage. So it's an honor to do it here, and it's an honor to carry it in our lives wherever we go. When you think about music festivals for the broad swath, right? There's still a lot of women who aren't headlining, who are not on the bills. And when you think about black women and Latinas and indigenous voices, it's it's something that's missing through the whole music festival circuit. And I think it's still important to me to carry the message throughout wherever we're going. It's important to speak to white audiences. It's important to speak to black audiences. It's important to speak. This is why we're a multiracial chorus and multiracialism is not easy. Mm. <laughs> if these folks are walking away with a real message about everybody deserves to be free and we say everyone we mean everyone and that labor unions are strong and all of the different things that we hit on the border all of the things in the message if they take that with them that's just important and that's what we need because we also need white folks to actually participate in movement and take that and take it to their communities that's right allyship is such a key in revolutions and the idea is we have to be inclusive Right? We can talk about the people of color who are not present or not here, and we can talk about it in terms of ability, and we can talk about, you know, we can talk about a range of social identifiers and people that we need to bring into the fold. I think it's important to be where you are and be able to land and say the message and speak the truth. I think the music speaks to those things. And if the music does its job of being able to move hearts and being able to move minds, then we will start to see a shift. And we also have to acknowledge the shifts that we do see, Mm -hmm. even if we move the needle a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to give praise and talk about that and make it apparent so that we can move the needle a little more. What I really kind of took in when I first came in was just all of the posters of who's performed here in the past, Mm -hmm. people who have put politics, but really the the humanity in politics, because political is personal, right? And when you look at the Bob Dylans of the world. And for each and every underdog soldier in the night, and we gazed upon the chimes of freedom flashing. When you look at the Joni Mitchells, who were actually really talking about the struggle. And so it was also just like, again, like, we are meant to be here because we are in lineage of that. We are meant to be here because it continues the tradition of not being shy of political moments and not being shy of the hard conversations. And music is just a way to have those hard conversations be a little less hard. (laughs) (laughs) Right, it's hard to fight somebody you're singing. That's what Isai Barnwell of Sweet Honey and the Rock said um, in her building a vocal community workshop, right? Like if we were all really singing together, it'd be really hard to be fighting each other. So um, so this is a step in that direction. This joy that I had, the world didn't give it to me. Don't you know that? This joy that I had, the world didn't give it to me. Oh, I said the world didn't give it, the world can't take it away. Oh, this strength that I have, this strength that I have. You'll remember that I talked about firsts at the start of this episode for Resistance Revival Chorus who performed first this year. Folk On marked not only their first time at Newport, but also their first time performing at a major festival. And while they were amongst lots of seasoned festival performers, they weren't alone in that feeling of newness because for many, it was their very first show playing for a live audience after over a year. This included Newport Folk alum Andrew Bird, who performed on Saturday as a stripped-down duo with Jimbo Mathis. I wasn't even ready to go back to playing live yet, but I knew that Newport would probably have it dialed in. It's such a contained and manageable festival and not bonkers. So this is my first live show. I've been conditioned to put my guard up, and I tend to put my guard up a lot, even without a deadly disease going about. So it's a little confusing so far. But I I just... uh, was just rehearsing with Margot Price because I'm going to play with her in a little bit, and that felt good. You don't want to do Newport without jamming with other people. It doesn't make sense. So, I associate Newport now with where I met John Prine in maybe 2008 or something, I'm guessing, and just saw 
teenagers and older folks all singing every note. And he didn't have much range left in his voice even back then, but like every word was, was so impactful and it's probably the most moved I've been from a concert in the last 20 years. So this show I'm doing tomorrow, we'll be doing a couple Prine tunes. We're going to kind of dedicate the, the show to him. Throughout this series, the late John Prine and his 2017 headlining set has come up time and time again. And as we lost Prine in April of last year to COVID, here was another first. The first time that the Folk family had been together to honor his memory since then. And like Andrew Bird, his Golden Messenger's MC Taylor definitely felt the presence of John in everyone's minds and hearts at the 2021 festival, including a guest-filled performance by John Prine's son, Tommy. This is a very specific confluence of music lovers. All festivals don't feel like this. And that's fine. It takes a lot of work to make a festival feel like this. It takes a lot of curation and it takes a lot of emotion to make a gathering like this happen. There is a shared language here, like a shared vernacular that the performers, the crew, the podcasters, the photographers, the crowd, there's a shared musical language. Like, you know, if I say something about John Prine here, it resonates differently than anywhere else. There is that kind of language and that set of emotions that you can lean on in a way that particularly right now feels comforting. If I say something about John Prine, that carries a lot of ideas far bigger than John Prine. It communicates a certain type of emotional vulnerability. I mean, like going up on stage last night to sing with Tommy Prine, that's like pretty profound, you know, like for a lot of reasons. Um, But it felt like it was made more profound because of where it was happening. I mean, he was crying. There were a lot of people that were crying and they were real tears. As things start to kind of like stumble forward, it certainly feels like the world is stumbling forward. It's hard to tell what's real, what's not, how seriously to take certain things, you know what I mean? It's like we're kind of stumbling forward and to like just be able to be in this place that feels like a safe space (laughs) is nice. Love, 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 nobody. We also met back up with Margot Price and her husband, Jeremy Ivey. You may recall Margot talking to us about her experiences at Newport with John Prine on an earlier episode. For Margot and Jeremy, it was the continuing emphasis on a diverse and inclusive lineup that stood out during their time at Folk On, serving as a bridge from Newport Folk's roots to its future. First set we did um, Friday, we got to play with uh, Andrew Bird, which we're friends with and, and fans of, you know, such an incredible human being and musician. Resistance Revival Choir, and, yeah. you know, I was saying, like, obviously I really wanted my band here, and I really wanted to do, like, a lot of cuts from my rock and roll album that we just released, but it was such a great opportunity for us to kind of, like, showcase, like, what we do when we're just sitting around at home, around the fire, like, friends come over, and... Because we've, I mean, I've been a, a student of Joan Baez and Joni Mitchell and Elizabeth Cotton. Freight train, freight train, run so fast. Freight train, freight train, run so fast. Please don't tell what train I'm on. They won't know what route I'm gone. Skip James and, and people who really made this festival what it was and... We spent a lot of time debating over the set list and what we were going to play and how we were going to do it and just practiced a lot. And it, it was so nice to do some of that folky stuff that, you know, maybe we don't get to do as often. Yeah, more lyrical songs and some duets we worked out, which we did. Uh, songs people never heard before, but they're lyrical, so they kind of fit in this world people listen here, you know? And that song, Fight to Make It, that we did, that's like, you know, not anything that we had been planning to put on an album, but it was just kind of a single that had been hanging out there and I was like this is the time to do this song this is like 
the moment to do a song for Rosa Parks and you know we had written it about several different really strong women Adia Cam and Allison also joined it was like this feels like the spirit of Newport you know back in 2018 I just kind of remember like looking at the festival bill and being a little discouraged because I just didn't see any women headlining and so I got on stage and, and made a comment about it and and had Brandy join me for 9 to 5 Working nine to five, what a way to make a living, barely getting by. It's all taking and no giving, they just use your mind and they never give you credit. It's enough to drive you crazy and you love it. You know, the next year, you know, I wasn't able to be here, but it was really cool to see that go on and to see Brandy come out and kind of usher in a lot of people. It was like, all right, we're moving the needle a little bit. As much unity as there, as there is here and has been throughout the years and developed inclusion over the years, there's always been, and that is a good example, there's always been, when there's a great moment in Newport, there's got to be some sort of, as we know with Dylan or whoever, uh, some sort of thing that kind of shakes things up and makes, makes it happen later, you know, and opens some doors. And that's important to, I mean, it can't all be like... Uh, harmony and camaraderie if things need to change and someone's got to be the one to, to bust the door down so you know now look at all of the like opportunities and like wonderful talent that everybody's like able to hear now because yeah we need to have more diversity and you know we live in Nashville and that is a place that is not always diverse it's really important to point out that like people of all different colors make roots music and so there's it's just really cool to see and have forever yeah. and, and yeah. people of color invented it you know so like yeah exactly I mean country music there? was taken from the blues and that was like the foundation of everything no. really you know if you didn't let freaking Sister Rosetta Tharp and Big Mama Thornton like get ideas that may have been deemed as above their station we would be very much the poorer musically you white guys with guitars would be so much fewer and if we didn't bring banjos that would really really put a hole in the arm for roots music and gosh black fiddlers playing would be very very celtic and that's it even the celts were influenced <laughs> there's not really any getting away from us as along the short of it we keep on being everywhere that's yola chatting with us just before her monday night set at the newport blues cafe in celebration of her new album stand for myself which was released that same week if you've been with us throughout the series you'll remember that late night shows are traditionally a huge part of the newport experience and in the room where Deer Tick have thrown their legendary late night collaborative sets for the past decade, Yola's was the first and only set played there this year. You may also recall that Yola's first Newport was in 2019, where she did her own set and joined the High Women and Brandy Carlisle's big headlining set that featured Dolly Parton, now known as the Dolly Moment. This year, Yola returned to perform at folk and jazz, and she was a part of Sunday night's big collaborative closing set, Once and Future Sounds, led by Alison Russell. That may end up being known as the Shaka Moment. This groundbreaking headlining set was the very first at Newport Folk, curated by a woman of color, featuring women of color. For Allison, putting together Once in Future Sounds happened after another artist unexpectedly had to cancel with barely a month's notice. But as is the case so often at Newport, it's the things that didn't happen that end up leading to the most magical moments. Loss was quickly turned into an opportunity, and it all unfolded over the course of three phone calls that I was on in the span of less than 24 hours. Here's Allison. I had just come back from walking my rescue dog, Millie, and I got a call from Carmel Holt, who's sitting across from me right now. And you said, Carmel, okay, I have a wild idea to run by you. What would you think about curating the headlining set of the Newport Folk Festival on Sunday, July 25th? And this was about, we were about like three weeks out from the fest. <laughs> And my first thought was, and, you know, she said, you know, the way Brandy did in 2019. And my first thought was, I'm not Brandy. She's a magic unicorn. I'll never be able to pull this off. And Carmel 
talked me into that I could pull it off and that I could lean on my community and friends to help me do it. We decided, okay, I would give it a go. How this started was the day before somebody canceled. That's right. That's right. And Jay and I had been on the phone. I called you on a Friday morning. Thursday, Jay and I were talking about this podcast and your name came up because we were talking about our native daughters having been part of this conversation and you were coming back to do this set. And Jay said, wow, it'd be so great if Allison Russell would bring some guests on like Newport style to do more collaborative stuff. And I was like, that would be amazing. And then I started talking to him about Brandy set and I was like that would be the natural progression is we did the first ever all women headlining set first time curated by a woman yeah now it's really time to take that to the next step put a woman of color in charge then the next day my phone rings in the morning and it's Jay somebody canceled he's freaking out and I said remember our conversation yesterday Jay this is it One door closes, another opens. It was like that was meant to happen. I'm going to hang up with you right now, and I'm going to call Allison. Is that okay? And he said, yeah, okay. I said, okay. I know. And poor Jay, I think he was pretty trepidatious all the way through. (laughs) But you know what? He gave us this opportunity and space. And even though I think it was probably really hard for him too and outside of his comfort zone too. It allowed this magic to unfold. I think now we're all on the other side of it and it's like, we did this. We all did this. Right after I got off the phone with you, Carmel, I called Brandy. Right, because I think I said to you, call Brandy now. I was like, let me just check in and see what she, you know. And of course she said, I will do anything I can do to help you. I will get your letters to whoever. She also told me it was one of the most stressful things she had ever done but that when it was all said and done, it was incredibly rewarding. So I kind of went into it knowing this was going to be one of the most challenging things I've ever done and certainly far, 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 far out of my comfort zone. But I leaned into my community and that's what this was about. Once in Future Sounds, Roots and Revolution was about showcasing the women in my community that I admire and am inspired by and that I am so proud to be standing shoulder to shoulder with. Once again, Yola. What Alison has done with the Southern Sunday is a real moment in the history of this festival, for sure. I think the blast radius of George Floyd has got some people with some heavy cognitive bias to pull their thumbs out of their asses. And actually, like when you put us all on a stage, you're like, wow, they're not even remotely similar. And there's no reason why you couldn't book half of these ladies tomorrow. Everyone kicked ass harder than a lot of people that have played this place. That being seen, just the the full rainbow of blackness being shown, of queerness being shown, of any of all ethnicities and backgrounds, as many as we could lay our hands on. Uh, You know, that were within our network and we could call it relative short notice. (laughs) Because, you know, everyone's still trying to get back from the pandemic and no really knows what's going on. And so there's a little bit of like a rushness about it, but there's definitely a vitality that I think we managed to capture. And everyone's playing their own sets. So it's not just like, we're gonna get all these people, the only woman, the only queer person or the only person of colour. All the people that have been others and all the allies who've been white guys but have thought differently and been like, oh, I don't feel comfortable in the way that you guys are speaking or whatever. We didn't just put them on one set. They've been spread throughout the festival. And that's also meaningful, that whole idea that you look at the lineup, you look at the festival and you're like, wow, okay, let's see these acts. Alison Russell's producer, guitarist, and once and future sounds musical director, Dan Nobler. Pretty much any musician is in some ways also a music history buff because we all love music from all eras. And it, you know, it's, it's sort of part of the experience of being a musician is learning these stories and learning the lineage of it. And so in that sense, Newport just looms large. Regardless of what the state of the festival is at any point in time, it feels important to musicians to be a part of that lineage and that history. And certainly this set that we did with Alison, the Once and Future Sounds, was trying to tap into that and to present artists that a predominantly white audience would not necessarily know about 
and say, hey, there's interesting folk music happening by all sorts of people all over this country, which I think is a big part of how this place got started in the first place. Through all the rehearsals, through all the you know sound checks and stuff, it was like, this is bigger than just a set of music and we we're gonna do everything in our power to make it meaningful for everybody. And I was, and I mean, it's, it's an incredible honor for me to have been a part of that band, much less be able to lead it. Oftentimes it, it can feel like, particularly when you're an instrumentalist or a side person, you're supporting who you're supporting and it can be hard to feel like you're using your voice on your own volition in some ways. Like it's, it's hard as a guitar player to speak to injustice in some ways. Like I don't write songs, I don't sing. It felt fantastic to put my skills towards something meaningful. And I think there's also something to be said for like musicians, not necessarily artists, but musicians who are, who are side people are constantly in the supportive role. In some ways, it was very natural for us. It's like none of those people on stage in any context would step up to the front line. And particularly here, it's like, great. Our skill set is uplifting whatever's happening at the front of the stage and listening to every single person on the stage. And that's exactly what that moment was about. And, and we hope that everybody in the audience was also listening and communicating and becoming a part of that circle. Dan Nobler was right. The audience was listening and becoming part of that circle. As inspiring as it was for those on stage, it was just as inspiring to witness once and future sounds from the crowd. Samantha Batley from Wilmington, Delaware, was there for her 10th Newport Folk. I really loved seeing Allison Russell last night. She curated an amazing set of black women and it was one of Newport's first. And it was incredible if you were here, if you've seen pictures, you know. But not only was Shaka Khan the guest at the end, which was incredible, but all the artists that we had seen during the day all came together and they told stories and sang their truths and it was, you could feel the emotion and you could feel it in the crowd and especially after the year and a half we've had, I feel like it was necessary and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I called and those were the women who responded and with resounding yeses and gave of themselves so generously and the whole became greater than the sum of its parts and we had lots of road bumps along the way, but we ended up pulling off this magical thing and having the iconic, incomparable Ms. Shaka Khan come and bless all of us. I had written her this letter and I asked Brandy, you know, do you think you could give her this letter? And Brandy said, actually, I'm going to Joni's later. Shaka's coming. I'll ask her. <laughs> so she sat at Joni's with Elton John, you know, and Shaka Khan and showed Shaka pictures of Dolly coming out in 2019 and the response of the crowd and the, the joyfulness of these women all together. And Brandy just said, yeah, my sister Allie is trying to do this and she's trying to center women of color and every single one of us is influenced by you. So what do you think? And Shaka said, yeah, I'll come support those young sisters. That's what she said. all of us dreaming this together. And that's what Newport is. It's all of us dreaming a community together and it's real. And it doesn't matter that it only happens once a year. It's not just once a year. We carry it throughout the rest of the year. This festival has such a crucially important place in the civil rights movement, in the movement for equality that is ongoing. You know, this festival started with a radical black and Jewish coalition in 1959, and every sign around that country said, no Negroes, no Jews, no dogs. I don't mean to sound grandiose. I just think about everything in terms of harm reduction. How do we reduce harm? How do we course correct all collectively to improve outcomes for not just ourselves and our society, but next generations? We're part of shaping the world they inherit. And so who do we want to be? I really hope, and I think maybe in the cards for guest curatorships, to play a much more central role. Jay and I had a conversation and I think he's open to that idea. And I think Newport is the one to lead the way, just as it was the original modern festival after Newport Jazz that set the tone for all the festivals all around the world. I think that it would be so healing and we've already begun with this set. And you know, maybe it starts like that. Maybe it's a guest curator from a demographic that is less well represented and that guest curator gets to choose five artists that play this festival next year and have sets of their own, you know, and it builds from there. We're not out of the woods. We're not post-colonial yet. We're not post-racism yet. You know, we're not 
post any of those things yet, clearly. We're in the midst of deep divisions and tragedy and loss, but this is, to me, a shining example of what happens when we dream together and when we go outside of our comfort zones and when we trust each other even when it's scary. And that is just like, it's really healing and uplifting, I think. This is Festival Circuit, Newport Folk. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Festival Circuit, Newport Folk. I'm Carmel Holt. As we've heard so far, Newport Folk's 2021 festival, Folk On, was another step forward for the festival where artists and fans witnessed an even more diverse and inclusive lineup. This built on Newport Folk's history of embodying social justice and activism, and it certainly took on an even greater priority since last summer. At the same time, it was an opportunity to take another tentative step towards the return of live music. To help describe the feeling of being back at Newport, here's someone who has plenty of experience there over the years, staff photographer Josh Wool. There's not a year that goes by that somebody doesn't cry at least once here because there's just so many beautiful moments. I really didn't realize how much I'd missed it until probably the second or third day this year since we're doing six and it really felt good to be around people who you really love and care about and haven't gotten to see in so long and and to be able to hear great music and be in a beautiful location has just been fantastic. It's kind of nice because it hasn't been quite as hectic when, when it's all packed into three days and four stages and after shows every night both through the festival and then other things that are happening in town. It's a lot to pack in three days, so it feels like this year we've had really a lot more time to kind of soak it in and really savor the experience. It has been different, but I I think it's good. You know, I think next year we'll probably go back to three days, I would imagine, and it'll have more of that sort of frenetic pace. But I think this has been a great way to kind of ease back into the world and to music, and I think everybody's had so many, you know, trepidations coming into this about how's it all going to work? Is it going to be safe? And, you know, the protocol's been great and everybody is very conscious, both artists, staff, crowd, everybody's, you know, being responsible and it feels really good. Among the many artists who returned for one of their first shows back at Newport was Julian Baker, who performed a stripped down set with Mariah Schneider on the final day of the festival. It's so weird. Mariah and I have been just like practicing whenever we get a spare moment and I still don't feel prepared. We got in at 12.30 last night and I was like, should I run the set one more time? But I don't know. I don't think I realized how huge of an emotional undertaking it was until yesterday before we got on the plane. I was like, I'm panicking. I haven't like been perceived in this way for like three years. It's very wild to be entering the space again. Sean, my manager who has been here for several days was talking about like everybody else's set and it made me feel a little bit better that everybody was not full production or like not the usual arrangements of songs and everybody seemed to be feeling kind of like it was a daunting task. I was like, okay, well, at least it's not like everybody's just showing up ready to go. It's like a little bit of a solidarity. I don't know. I think all of the adjustments that we've had to make in the past year and like learning and unlearning our survival mechanisms, it seems like at least in this context, people are a little bit more forgiving. They're a little bit more willing to be like, we're all learning to do this again. It's humbling and good to be put into a situation that you're not comfortable in. It's like an exercise in humility. It's been a while since I've been here, but when I was like walking into the Ford Adams thing, I was like, oh yeah, I remember all this stuff. It's cool. It's cool to be able to come back into a place that I've been before that's not completely new. I feel Newport is unique in that I think the people that come to the shows by and large are 
there not to be entertained but to just like experience music as the musician renders it and they are excited by changes in arrangement and they are excited by collaboration and they are excited by unexpected things it is very like artist centric it seems like all the artists are having a good time it seems like the artists are there enjoying themselves and the creation of music and they're really taking a part of something communal with the audience instead of just like putting on slated performances. I like that. Every artist has acknowledged, like, coming out of a stupor, like, shaking off the cobwebs. I think the ease into it is just part of the vibe, which is no complaints. It's been fantastic. No one's screaming out that they have to hear a certain song. Nobody's, you know, thinking there's going to be these encores. Everyone is just here to kind of hang out together and what we get we're so happy with. Yeah, I think the audience is equally just happy to be here and feel safe and secure and be in that same safe, present, kind, open space. Sisters Holland Saltzman and Nancy Sheet have been coming to Newport Folk since 1990, and they've passed on a love for the festival to their children, who they brought when they were just weeks old and now in their 20s. Join them this year at Folk On. That ethos of being open, present, and supportive that everyone agrees to at Newport was felt deeply by Natalie Hemby who performed with Brandy Carlisle and the High Women in 2019. On her return this year, she was not only there to witness Yola performing many of the songs that she'd co-written for her new album, and the return of her High Women bandmate Brandy Carlisle, who joined Allison Russell for the shock moment that she helped to manifest. Natalie also took the opportunity from the stage of her own set to announce a new solo album on the Saturday of Folk On. Honestly, it was one of the best days of my life, and I didn't think anything could really top the Dolly moment with the high women, with all your friends and singing, but yesterday was a different kind of mountaintop. It was me and my husband, who he produces all my music. It's like the dreams of my youth, you know, coming to life. I kind of wrote my way to the spot, and to be on that stage yesterday, it was just awesome to, you know, have the confidence to be able to be like, this is my music. This is also what I've written in the past, you know, but the crowd was amazing and it was so kind and warm and loving and people stayed. That's all I could ask for. I was afraid nobody would come to my show. I think that Newport is a very special place where new things happen and I just kind of wanted that to be the place where I made an announcement for the record, where I played some songs for the record and just kind of put the good omens on it, if you will. So, (laughs) you know, they call it folk family here. And I do feel like people treat you like family here. You know, it's very respectful. This is very quaint and people are listening. They're trying to listen to your music, you know, and that that means a lot, especially to someone like me. And while Natalie Hemby chose to announce a new album at this year's festival, Folk On marked not only the first Newport appearance for Katie Crutchfield, but it was also one of the first times that she was able to play songs from Waxahachie's acclaimed 2020 album, St. Cloud, in front of a live audience. It was really magical. I think what people say about it's really true that it's a listening audience. So I felt like the audience was very attentive and that felt cool I'm not like party music so it's like it is like thoughtful sort of stripped down song so that is my ideal setting it was really cool to finally get to play the St. Cloud songs I feel like on one hand it's like really fresh because it's like this new formation I was only playing with a drummer and so I didn't feel like I was fully stepping into my power as like the shepherd of the St. Cloud songs, but I had a blast and I'm very, very, very excited to tour with my band and like hit every single note and have everything, you know, filled out and like fully realized. So this was kind of like only my second real big full capacity kind of thing. I was supposed to play Newport last year and then COVID happened. 
And Jay was really cool and just told us, like, you know, you've got a spot next year, you know, if we get to do it. So he made good on that, and here we are. <laughs> just feels like it came right at the perfect time for me to experience it. I'm a broken record, it in the dust And what did the man responsible for putting the Folk On lineup together feel and experience this year? We caught up with Executive Director Jay Sweet on the final day of Folk On to get his take on the previous six days. It's terrifying and great. It's the, the duality of it. Scared, elated, and just it's bouncing between the two extremes at electron speed. This is where we're relearning to walk. Not run, not sprint, not dive into it. It's to learn to walk again you know, after being handicapped. The funny thing is we just never knew that it was gonna happen. We never felt positive. We never felt that concrete thing that Newport has stood for. Every single time I'm seeing performance or seeing a friend, I'm like literally putting my hand on their shoulder and looking at them, not through them, not over them, but looking at them and being like, I can't believe you're real because I've been looking at you through a some kind of device or screen. I want to just kind of give a 3D image of you in my head and then being like, I hope I can see you again, not 18 months from now. There's that feeling as well, which is weird. My interactions with artists have been, are you asking me, are you okay? And then me being like, I don't know, are you okay? <laughs> you know? And uh, well, I, and then we're both kind of like, well, we're here being the first festival back and to put everything that we've, heard on that I've heard listening to your podcasts, the reputation thing on the line, knowing that we are not going to be a perfect Newport. And we strive to be the perfect Newport. And we still said, we know we're not going to be able to be the perfect Newport going into it because we're out of practice, sea legs, all these bad metaphors that everyone's trying to use. It's hysterical. It's very cute. I kind of understood all of them, but it was that sense of people trusting us. And I hope we did enough to provide the safest space that we could. Nothing is safe anymore. There is no certainty. And I think that it's okay. It's okay. That's what I've realized after six days. It's okay to not know, to not have to live up to every expectation. As long as we keep trying to mirror what's happening, I think all of us realize it's for the one thing, which is to connect the music to people. At least that's what I'm saying, trying to. And that's the thing that I think Newport will never stop trying to do. We are definitely not going to be back to perfect. And it was totally terrifying to me to put our name on something that I knew. I knew. And everybody in the staff, we all acknowledged it's not going to go off without a hitch. I got six days on the sixth day, the thing that's left, that's after everything is raw and stripped and every emotion of just so excited to see people and musicians and hear and you as I'm talking you can hear these thumping in the background that's freaking Lake Street Dive like live right there like they're really here so if I can get hope and we can get hope then we can we can all have a sense of it after this the conversations the small moments the small moments of humanity and the small moments of grace and space with one another I miss those and I got a lot of those Lake Street Dive, who we heard playing in the background just now as we were chatting with Jay Sweet, were the final band to perform on Newport's quad stage on Wednesday evening. That was the same stage that we started this episode with, where Resistance Revival Chorus opened the festival. To close their set, Lake Street paid tribute to one of my closest friends and my former boss at WFUV Public Radio in New York City, Rita Houston, who passed away in December of 2020 of ovarian cancer and was a longtime part of the Folk family. In true Newport fashion, Lake Street brought on a few friends to join them in covering three of Rita's favorite songs. We're going to hear from members of Lake Street Dive in just a moment. But first, here's one of those guests, mandolin virtuoso Chris Thiele, who performed his own set on the lawn stage earlier that day. People are here to listen to music and to experience music together in a way that is ironically... <laughs> Highly unusual, because I think so much of the time, you know, we're just celebrating kind of humanity and being outside together and having a little free time and being out of the office and 
And there's music, and music does help us remember that life is fun, and but it's one of the things that's going on right now. And also, I'm having a beer, and also I'm talking to my friends. And that Newport, that celebration of humanity is evident, but so too is that belief that in music there is a cure of some kind. If we are to experience that cure, our attention is required. Like if we want to squeeze every ounce of what this experience has for us, then we don't want to miss a note. I think the thing that keeps me coming back to Newport over and over again and not just as a performer. I always feel like I'm equal parts performer and audience member when I'm here, in part because I find it to be such a stimulating listening environment. You can hear yourself think, and you can hear the musicians around you think. So it's another really remarkable thing about Newport that it fosters real spontaneous creation between musicians that don't normally play together. Because you can hear, because you can tell that everyone can hear and that they're there to hear. That's why I play music, is it reminds me that human beings are good and, and that while we have messed up a great deal that has been entrusted to us, we also are an incredibly reliable source of beauty. And that gives me a lot of hope. I was here with Punch Brothers and I'm with her and Julian Lodge. We went on and it was so much fun and I was reminded why I do this and why I love particularly doing this here. And then as we were walking back, I mean, I think just to get a beer or something like that, in this field, in the quad, Rhiannon Giddens and Dirk Powell were just sitting on a little picnic table playing, just playing tunes with like a couple people around them. It was the two of them who were already making music together a lot and they were just doing it some more in the middle of the quad, like on a picnic table because this place makes you want to play and the set's not enough. And so I think to feel that emanating from Rhiannon and Dirk right there, I felt a deep sense of communion. Julie, oh Julie, can't you see? The devils have come to take you far from me. Thank goodness I get to sit in with Lake Street later on. I'm like burning to play another set right now. <laughs> you know, I'm so ready. There are a lot of aspects of it that feel like an opportunity to experience one's baby steps as a performer. Some of it feels like riding a bike. When you have gone a very long period without riding a bike, and then you do, how crazy that feels, you're reminded how liberating it was the first time you were able to ride a two-wheeler bike with no training wheels. For me, it was like my dad gave me a push and I realized I could do it. The first time that you propel yourself forward that quickly without an adult, there's an element of that on stage here where it's like, oh, I no, I got it, I got it. and. Isn't this magical? Like, look at me go. <laughs> Can you believe it? Because I can't. Live communal music making is just such a beautiful part of being alive that we've been utterly deprived of for a long, long time in a way that we never thought was possible. God is alive. Magic is afoot. God is alive, magic is afoot. God is afoot, magic is alive, alive is afoot. Magic never died, God. For the head in the hearts Jonathan Russell, who came back to Newport this year for a solo set and an opportunity to honor his friend Rita Houston with Lake Street Dive, the forced break of the pandemic brought about a reset 
and a hopeful future for his band. But like so many others, he shared with us how reviving his craft came with some nerves and relearning how to play solo until the full band's return. I just did a solo set and it was a very humbling experience being like completely alone on a stage and trying to navigate how you build energy, how you sustain it, how you drop it, how you bring it back. When do you tell stories? How do you tell stories? I'm kind of vacillating between acoustic and then piano. I think the first year we did was 2011. I didn't know what to think of it. Like I didn't know what it would be or mean or feel like. I thought it almost worked out in a nice way. Like Sonically, our band, every album, we're all usually pretty open and excited to like push the sound further, which can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, you know, especially if you found out about this band on the first album. So in a way, I was almost like, this is kind of a weird special gift that I get to come here and like just play the songs as they were written without production. It's nice to be able to just come back and as raw and vulnerable as I just felt for 55 minutes. Hopefully it was worth it for listeners. And I don't know that this will happen again. So it was nice to have that, you know, because hopefully the next time I or we do it, it'll be all together. The air about the space already feels very personable. And my wife is here. Coupled with that and like the 50% capacity, it just feels like you can settle in and like mosey around and take your time and really take it in. We were planning on taking off the first few months of 2020 and then getting on the road in April or May and the world did the opposite of that. You know, it was like, well, here's three months out of the year and then we're going to close the world down because there's a pandemic happening. But in all honesty, in our case, it was uh, a really healthy ripping of a, just a stack of band-aids that had accumulated over 11 years. There's a lot of things that were very difficult about it, but there are also a handful of things that I can't picture any other event having allowed space and time for. I think this band is talking more than it ever has amongst itself. There's six people in the band and none of us really knew one another before we realized there was a musical chemistry. I mean, I had met most of them within a year's span. So we sort of got to know one another as we were like, creating this band and touring and being gifted with success and no one had to be the guy that says like hey this is too much can we take a break you know we're all very like american capitalists i think we're just conditioned to think work more you're stressed out uh you need to work more you know like it'll come out in the work it's like mm, no we need to talk more and we need to learn how to do that properly you've had enough time to realize what you're doing as a professional and it's almost terrifying to know i never had enough time or perspective to understand what i was doing and i gained some things from that perspective but it also like you feel very uh mortal which is healthy the veil has been lifted and you have to like now learn how to cope with that deal with that and turn it into something that's beautiful Lost in my mind, lost in my mind, oh I get lost in my mind, lost, I get lost, I get lost in my mind, lost in my mind, yes I get lost in my mind. We caught up with Lake Street Dives' Rachel Price and Bridget Carney while rehearsing for their tribute to Rita Houston at the Mule Barn, which is a somewhat secret place on the grounds of Fort Adams that you've heard other artists refer to a few times during this series, getting ready for other big collaborative sets. Here's Rachel and Bridget. This is a main pit stop of the Newport Folk Festival experience. I rehearsed here with John Batiste. Four years ago, he curated a set called A Change Is Gonna Come with the Dap Kings. I sat in with them and that was... It was awesome. Actually, I remember the rehearsal here and just thinking to myself, dang, I hope I sing it that good tomorrow. And I didn't. It was better in rehearsal. <laughs> but, you know, that's how it goes. I was born by the river In a little tent Just like the river been running ever since it's been a long long time coming but i know change gonna come oh and we rehearsed here two years ago with brandy carlisle oh, for uh the set that she put together with dolly parton yeah yeah no big no bd yeah it was pretty mind-blowing 
Yeah, I mean, so many people, I feel like, were in the room. I mean, it was, John Batiste was there and an incredible band when we were doing it. It was Brandy, it was her whole band. Those experiences are always so overwhelming. You're like showing up and you're like, I got to get my part right. I got to get this rehearsal in. You're in the new space. In the case of the Dolly Parton performance, too, it was like day of that we found out that she was going to be here. And Brandy had asked us to do a song on the set that we were going to be singing. And then that song got cut, but she said, here's the good news. Dolly is here. We'd love to have you come and sing Backgrounds with Dolly. And we said, okay, that's fine. That's a great substitute. So day of ourselves and Cheryl Crow and Maggie Rogers and Yola, Yola and Marin yeah. Morris and all the high women. So everybody was on stage singing with Dolly, which was incredible. And the other thing I remember is not realizing just how many lyrics there are to the chorus of nine to five. It is not the same every time. And each line is like <laughs> yeah. more cutting than the one before it. Yeah, she's like, she's yeah. just like spitting truth. Yeah. The whole, you're like, whoa. We were supposed to do Carly Simon's You're So Vain, which we were excited about. And we were like, oh, they cut our song. But Brandy was extremely apologetic. And she was like, it's because we need Dolly Parton to do more songs. And we were like, you don't even have to apologize for that. You're so vain. You probably think this song is about you. You're so vain. We wanted to honor our friend Rita Houston, and so we were told some songs that are favorite songs of hers. Turns out, no surprise, Rita, of course, has amazing taste in music, so we were spoiled for choice. And so we're doing a handful of songs that are her favorite songs, and Jonathan Russell is going to be singing on one of them. I'm joining them on Instant Karma by John Lennon. I feel like every 15 minutes I think about Rita in this area. I think on her 50th birthday, she decided to spend it with us, the head and the heart at, at, I think it was a Bowery Ballroom in New York. But the interesting thing is with Rita, it's like, whether it's her birthday or anyone else's birthday or just a normal day, like she just brought this energy into a room. Whether it was her smile or her laugh, you didn't need an event for it to feel like an event every time she was there. Not to mention what she did for a lot of musicians, you know? Allison Russell's gonna sing on a song, and Chris Thiele is also gonna be doing a song with us. He's gonna do Starman, this David Bowie tune, which I'm so excited about that too, because I love singing with Chris. I think that one's gonna be really fun. There's a Starman waiting in the sky. He'd like to come and meet us, but he thinks he'd blow our minds. There's a those are essentially her choices that we got from her wife. She loved Mavis Staples, so we're making sure we're doing a Mavis Staples song. We're doing You're Not Alone. Rita was a friend through meeting her in the music industry and her friendship with our manager, Emily Lichter. And she also was a big supporter of us, like put us on some of our first big stages, gave us some really important opportunities. And so, yeah, both of those aspects of our relationship with her were really special. And it was always so wonderful to see her around. There were situations where we'd see her at Newport or we'd see her at Bonnaroo or we'd see her in Iceland and um, you know she just always lit up a room and made you feel welcome and comfortable and excited. Every Newport that I've been to I've, this is my fourth time attending but the three prior to Rita was always there. I don't know I would like turn around and see like Rita like vibing on the set and it would make me think about being open and enthusiastic about music and that's her whole life. She was seeing so much live music supporting artists she was like giving them a platform you know what a beautiful amazing spirit a broken dream a broken heart isolated and afraid open up this is a ray I'm gonna get it through to you Tears are about to flow again. Just thinking back to that moving performance that Lake Street Dive did of that song featuring special guest Allison Russell. And once again, Mavis Staples, 
who's been a presence in every episode of this series, is with us to bridge the past, the present, and the future. As predicted, the return to Newport this year was an emotional one. And as we've heard so many say, a safe place to feel it all and all the more precious. And just as Newport has always been, it will continue to be a mirror of the world around us, a reflection of the times that we're in, a utopia of what is possible, as Alison Russell said, when we dream together. Festival Circuit Newport Folk is presented by Osiris Media, proud supporter of the Newport Festival's foundation. I'm Carmel Holt. The series has been co-written, co-produced, and edited by me and Julian Booker, who is also the series audio engineer. Production assistance from Zach Brogan. Executive producers are RJB and Christina Collins. Show logo and art by Mark Dowd. The series theme music is Ruminations Part 3, Afternoon Haze by Stephen Warwick. Thanks to Billy Glasner of the Newport Festival's Foundation for providing archival audio. And many thanks to our folk family guests, Abna Coombson Davis, Nalini Stamp, Andrew Bird, MC Taylor, Margot Price, Jeremy Ivey, Yola, Allison Russell, Dan Nobler, Samantha Betley, Josh Wool, Julian Baker, Holland Saltzman, Nancy Sheed, Natalie Hemby, Katie Crutchfield, Jay Sweet, Chris Thiele, Jonathan Russell, Rachel Price, and Bridget Carney. And with much gratitude to Executive Director Jay Sweet for his guidance and support throughout this series. Most of all, thanks to you for listening, for being present, kind, open, and together. Osiris.